you got beat up in the like not romantic US high school movie kind of way, in the really real, emotionally torturous kind of way. What's up, fool? That's my dog. Hey, that fool calm down. And then I told that fool, I said, stalk yourself forever, ever. No, bro. Really sorry for saying bro. Hey, come on, it's fear mongering. I ain't no clown. It's all fake. I know what you're up to. Alright, maybe it's not. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I'm just a fool. fool. Oh yeah, Talkful Radio. Hey, what's up everybody? This is Stephen Lee Clark, and this is, what, episode 17? I believe it's 17, you know, you lose track. Uh, but, yeah, episode 17, Talkful Radio. I'm Stephen Lee Clark, the head coach. That's the red pill, the assistant head coach, right? Offensive coordinator. Uh, and to be very honest, uh, Talkful Radio is coming to you today with a little bit of a heavy heart. Okay, uh, there's things that happen in the world, and you know what? I love doing this podcast. I love hanging out with you guys. I love talking to you guys. Sometimes you don't fucking feel like being funny, you know? Uh, we here at Talkful Radio, being me and The Pill, we've suffered a huge loss and, and a very tragic thing that has happened in Oakland. And you know what? I've said this online, whatever, but in my artistic life, right? My, you can trace everything I've done in my artistic life back to the Bay Area. And not only back to the Bay Area, but back to the Bay Area DIY scene. You know, I, I was in a shit ton, just like punk bands, power violence bands, metal bands, whatever, right? But I owe everything that I am today to that scene. And that's where it all come, came from for me. And you know what? Oakland has suffered a huge loss. The world has suffered a huge loss and it's fucking sad. And, uh, a lot of friends and family members were lost and are still missing. And it's, it's tragic. There was a fire. If you didn't know, I'm sure you do, but there was a fire at a DIY venue called ghost ship. And it was, it was really, really awful. And, uh, yeah, I've been sitting here for the past couple days, just really contemplating everything that happened, really thinking about how much I owe the Oakland DIY scene and, and, you know, just how much I love the Bay. I grew up in the Bay. I grew up, well, I grew up in San Jose and then I went to high school, uh, what, an hour outside of the Bay and then moved straight back. And you know what? Again, I owe everything that I am today to the DIY scene in the Bay and, I've never met, you know, I, I still have friends from Oakland that do amazing, amazing things and they always have, and they never will stop. And it's the most admirable, beautiful thing, uh, that I've encountered, you know, and, and, and any, if you meet, you know, if you meet an artist and they didn't start out playing shitty fucking house shows then that's really strange to me, you know, because uh, everybody I know did it. And, and there's a certain, like, romance that comes with playing a shitty basement show, playing a shitty DIY venue to know people. And, and you know what? The DIY thing is, it is the essence of art. It is the essence of people that just want to fucking do something and they make it happen. I've said on this show, I've said my whole life, I was told this by my uncle when I was a kid. And it's like, look, 
you have to do one thing in life, one thing. And that only thing is to make it happen. Whatever it is, make it happen. And I know so many people in the Bay Area that have done that, you know, and, and it's, it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. And they've helped me out. They've helped everyone I know. And, and, and my heart is heavy. And I just want to say to everybody that knows someone that lost someone, you know, this, this scene, this music world, all of it, you know, we're all just a few degrees away from each other. Everybody helps each other out. Um, and yeah, it was a really, it's been a really sad couple days and I love everyone that is doing their thing. And, and, and especially in the Bay area, there's a special place in my heart and I will always go back and I'm going to die in the Bay area. It's a known thing. I love that place and I will go back and that's where I will get old and that's where I'll fucking perish because I love the Bay and I always have, and I always will. And it's done so much for me. So yeah, uh, I hate to be like that, but it's a sad thing. And you know what? Uh, sad things happen in life. And the only thing that we can do is just be there for each other. I said it on the Facebook and I'm saying it here. I'm just here for everyone. Uh, you want to email me, talkforradio.com, shoot me an email. Um, and yeah, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing we can do now, but be here for each other. And, and I love the scene. I love, I love everybody that's doing their thing and everybody that's helping each other out. And that's what art needs, you know. That's that's exactly what all art needs, and 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 it's a big deal. So, to all the families, to all the friends, to everybody that knows anybody that is even affected a little bit by this, I love you. I'm here for you. Talk for radio is always open, always, uh, even when things are great, and especially when things are bad. All the donations from this show are going to go to the Oakland Ghost Ship Relief uh, Fund, all of them. And, and, and I'm, you know, I wish I could help more, but that's the way I can help, and that's what I want to do, uh, and that's what's going to happen. I'm going to donate either way, and, and any donations that are made uh, to Talk 4 Radio for this episode, they go to the Oakland Ghost Ship Relief Fund. And, and I'm... And I'm happy that I'm in any way capable of helping out at all, you know. So I would really appreciate it. I'm also going to put the link to, I think it's youcaring.com. I'm going to put the link to the Ghost Ship Relief Fund in the show notes. Um, and, And seriously, from someone that came from that scene and came from just the DIY world in the Bay Area, uh, I really appreciate any help. I really do. Uh, and I love you and everything's open and yeah, I'm not trying to start the show off as a bummer, but you know what shit happens and, and we have to address it and it should be addressed. And these people are wonderful people and they art makes the world a better place. I've always said that. And, uh, yeah. And these are, this is the essence of what art is and I appreciate everything they've done. And, and we here, me and the kitty, we love, we love everybody. Uh, and, and we're here for everybody. Okay. So I want to keep it short. Uh, today's interview is great. Uh, it's, it's James Kelly from Alter Plagues and wife. He's a fucking wonderful human, very intelligent. Dude, his music is absolutely amazing. I've been a fan of his for a long time, but yeah. 
So one last time, from me and the kitty, from Stephen Lee Clark and the Red Pill, I love all of you. I want to keep this intro short uh, because you know what? I don't feel like being funny, whatever. I sh- and I know you guys understand, and, and I know you guys feel the same way because only intelligent, wonderful people listen to this show, and I've noticed that, and you guys show it. So I really love you guys, and yeah, business section is just, you know, it's not the, – the only business section today is you can follow us on all the shit, Facebook, Twitter, blah, blah, blah. We're on iTunes, but the main business section is donating to the ghost ship relief fund any donations i get here from talkforradio.com uh or or patreon it all goes to the ghost ship relief fund uh and i'm super excited to help out and i really want to thank you uh for caring and for helping out too uh it means a lot to me it means a lot to us we love you okay all right james kelly so uh, I've been a fan of James for a really long time. I was a big fan of Alter Plagues. Saw them a long, long, long time ago. Listening to them. I was just super into them. I thought they were amazing. Uh, and then it was one of those instances where you meet somebody and you've liked their band. And then you talk to them and you're like, fuck. You're super nice. And you're super fucking smart. And you're super fucking cool. And then I found out about Wife. And I was like, dude, holy shit. And, and I think I talked about in the interview, there was a long period of time where I listened to, uh, I listened to stoic like every damn day and I would walk in the fucking graveyard and it was beautiful. Uh, and so, yeah, it was really fun to talk to him. I was really flattered. I love, I love how James is one of those people too, that I would just randomly see in the world. He does, he does so much cool shit. Uh, and he's so active in what he does that I'll see him fucking wherever I see him in London, see him in Berlin, see him all the time. Uh, I'm about to see him in LA. I'm excited about that. And yeah, I love how our, how our paths cross a lot of times and it's, and it's really wonderful. So here it is. Here's my interview with James Kelly of wife and altar of plagues. Fuck. Yeah. James Kelly, what's up, dude? How's it going, man? How's it going, my man? How are you? Uh, it's good. It's good. It's uh, it's been a while since we've since we've hung out. When was the last time I saw you? Yeah, l- last time I saw you was I think I caught you guys in Berlin. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah. When yeah, you guys yeah. were touring with Merker. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, I remember that. I was uh, I was holed upstairs in the green room. And yeah, you were, I was impressed, man. You were being super productive. You had Ableton out and you were working on uh, some field agent stuff. I was impressed. Oh, man. I mean, dude, like uh, when you stop, like when you stop partying and, and drinking and getting fucked up, it's like it's more of just like a, I'm going to do this just so I'm not bored as fuck. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, for sure. I'm like I'm uh, entering my third decade soon. And it's like as you're getting to the end of the 20s, it's kind of. I'm kind of over partying and actually I would, I love the idea of reading a book again. It's been almost 10 years, you know, so it's like, <laughs> yeah, why don't dude. I just stop drinking and, you know, maybe read a book or something? 
I'm going to be honest, like when I turned 30, right, I, I didn't even, I wasn't, I've never been one of those like age guys where I'm like tripping on how old I am or like, mm-hmm. I, I like, I, I don't know. And, and I never thought like turning 30 wasn't a thing to me. Like I was just like, yeah, whatever, like it's going to happen. Uh, and I didn't think about it. And we were on tour and we were in Phoenix, Arizona, and I turned 30 at midnight and I remember unexpectedly being like, oh my God. I feel so like tight right now. I feel so tight. Yeah. Like, I was looking at everybody else, like everybody else is like 20 something and I'm 30 and I yeah. feel like I felt so like cool and it was so unexpected, dude. I was like super into it. And then, yeah, I think yeah, I'm naturally, re- I- I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. I think naturally I just like calm the fuck down after that. And I was super, super into it. I don't know. Yeah, it's cool. It's just like, it's just like a milestone and it's a good, good time to probably, um, you know, take stock and, you know, see where your head is at and see what's important and what's not. And it's like after thousands and thousands of hours wasted on drinking and hangovers, I'm like, yeah, mm, maybe I should focus yeah. my energy elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. After I turned 30, I was like, okay, if I'm on this tour and I spend all day on the floor in the van to sleep, you know, feeling like shit and then get to the green room and go back to sleep. Like, I'm just wasting everything now. I need to, like, go, like, actually look at stuff while I'm still, like, like able to tour and shit, you know? It's weird, too, because that time comes when it's, like, originally, you know, first tours for everybody are, like, almost a holiday and it's party all the time. And, you know, you operate on two hours sleep and you drink all night and then you start drinking and you turn up at the venue and... Then it gets the point where it's like, if you're doing, especially with you guys, if you're doing as many shows in a year, you know, if you're doing like more shows, then you spend time at home. It's just kind of, you know, dare I use the word professionals, you know, stop like getting fucked up all the time. And actually totally. It's like treat a job. It right. Yeah, yeah. It's like you're, sure. there's a point where it's like, okay, this is my job. All right. So like, yeah, I can't be fucked up all the time. It's just, it just doesn't work. Um, For sure. So... Dude, I mean, I'm stoked to have you on today because uh, you're, I don't know, it's just, you're into everything, you've done, like, different shit, like, across the spectrum, so, mm-hmm. how did, like, basically, just how did it all start for you? You grew up in Ireland, where? Yeah, Cork in the south. Okay. So, how yeah. how was that? Like, what was your, were you, like, a metal kid when you were growing up? Or were you, like, did you just like everything? What was it like, man? What was, like, your path to Yeah. It? I mean, I was definitely a metal kid. I kind of grew up in a really rural area, and you're either into, like, Irish sports, or you're not an Irish sports, like, traditional Gaelic football and hurling. And if you don't do that in a rural community, you're pretty much a pariah, so... That wasn't my vibe. And then, you know, uh, started like, you know, I found MTV2 and VH1. And, you know, that's when, you know, I found like the Friday night shows that were showing Sepultura and Death yeah. Dance videos. Yeah, and then that's sick. All the, all the like classic gateway bands. And then, you know, I found a store in the city that sold like corn hoodies and stuff. And then I spent like Hell most yeah. of my teens being that guy getting stoned in a corn t-shirt um hanging out with other kids who dyed their hair black and stuff dude we were like um, they were like the same person in like alternate realities dude you were the yeah, you were yeah the exactly. island version yeah that's fucking tight i used to love i used to fantasize about going to an american high school though because you know my my image of it was always like you know that deftones back to school video where he's 
got his hood up and he's got his skateboard in his hand and it's like you know it's, it's almost like cool looking and that whereas in my reality it was it was a far more oppressive life trying to be you know trying to be, be into that stuff oh yeah. it's like you actually got beat up you got beat up in the like not romantic u.s high school movie kind of way in the really real emotionally torturous kind of way <laughs> like this actually hurts really bad kind of way yeah exactly i'm like emotionally crippled because of this mm. but um then you know because i was living in the middle of nowhere and there was like nobody to start bands with i just um i started to like borrow instruments from friends or you know um eventually got a hold of like really shitty bad drum kit and you know bad guitar and everything but it was enough to start working and i kind of always like started demoing music and around that time i suppose i was also getting way more into like extreme metal um i think i think slayer was definitely the band that like gets you slayer like gets you from marlon manson to you know all the norwegian stuff totally like, that gateway totally it's like slayer... slayer is like truly evil yeah 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 slayer was like the difference between like what you're talking about like like marilyn manson and slipknot to like at the gates for me and i was just like uh, yeah exactly yeah yeah totally and it's cool because you know i i love manson and slipknot and they were like so important and then it was just, it's like this authenticity then when you go to Norwegian stuff because it's more raw and it's more punky and it's like something about it that do, it doesn't feel like, you know, uh, it feels like you're in on a secret or something. And I guess that's why it's so alluring. Um, and I just got into that and then I started making music and then, you know, fast forward a little bit and that music kind of became Alter of Plagues, which was initially just like a bedroom demo I made. And then... Um, my friend Dave Condon, who I'd known since I was like 14 years old, we'd always been in like different bands together, like shitty, like little death metal kind of black metal bands. And then um, he like did vocals on that demo for me. And then the demo was on and it was kind of like we got offered to play a show and it just happened. It all kind of came together in that really natural way. That's tight. How were you uh, like, how were you recording back then? Like, what were you using to record the first um, I had a... I definitely had a four-track recorder for a little while. I'm trying to remember. It was bright red. Yeah. Um, I, my like first ever demos used to be on this little cam tape recorder, and I bought two of them. So as I'd hit record and I'd record my drum beat, and then I'd have the drum beat playing off one of the recorders, and I'd play guitar yeah, over that. And that's it. The, you know, yeah. the next recorder. So like overdubbing in this really crude way. Um, and then eventually I got... Um, I had like the family computer and I bought one of these like little USB um, line six pods. That's like all your guitar effects totally, and yeah. everything in one unit. It was like 30 bucks and I got that. That's sick. Yeah. I used to yeah. do the thing where I like, I would, I would, instead of looping, like I would record a guitar riff, but play it for like 10 minutes and then just be like, Oh, oh man, God, I totally sucks. did that. Like, yeah, yeah. All the Ultra Plague stuff is that and Ultra Plagues has like, you know, 20 minute tracks and all of them are like played, yeah. you know, live, you know, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. So then alter play start. Dave, Dave's my dog too. I love that guy. Did you guys, you guys both moved to London together or what? Uh, I was there a few years before him. I went there, like I went there to do, um, a postgrad at university of London and then, um, we were still doing Alter Plagues and Dave was at home in Cork and he was, that's when he started really getting into, um, 
he's like a, a real hot shit tattooer in London now. And back then he was like really getting into it and apprenticing. And then he moved to the UK, but he was in this really shitty small place called Swindon. But he was closer to London at least. Yeah. Um, I mean, the way Dave and I always work together anyway is like I, I always wrote everything anyway and I kind of write it all away from everybody. And then when the record's done, I basically just go, here's the record, Dave. We're going to the studio next week. You'll yeah. hear it then. Sick. And then That's he sick. hears it and he jams with it he, and he gets it in his head and then he does his thing and he always like, I kind of like it that way because he always surprises me a little too and it ends up kind of, you know, I kind of ended up liking the results more that way. Yeah, yeah. That's cool, man. So, uh, so basically... One thing that really I always, I mean, I'm kind of in the middle of it, but for you, it was like the transition into wife and doing that stuff. Were you were you writing that kind of stuff before, like while you were still in Alter Plagues, or or was that like, let's try this new thing out? Yeah, there was like different. Um, I mean, for as long as. So I feel like that kind of began when I was like hardcore metal kid for a long time. And then when I was maybe 18, 19, I, I like calmed a little on metal and I was like, oh, there's other shit. And that's also really yeah. good. Yeah. yeah totally. um, and then when I heard that other stuff, I also like anyone who's musically inclined, I was just like, oh, I have interests in, you know, maybe doing that kind of music someday. And like I was always I have like really early stuff. Originally, I was in this, like, me and a friend of mine in Cork, uh, Steph, she was, like, we were doing this kind of, like, Crystal Castles type shit. Uh -huh. um, we demoed some stuff. That never came out. We never really did anything. But, you know, I was trying a few different things and trying to, like, explore a few different ideas. And, I mean, Wife, when it began, was dubstep. Like, 100% oh. dubstep. <laughs> oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, it's crazy. Sick. That's tight. Because yeah, I actually... Dubstep is what got me like really, really back into electronic music. Um, I was always into it growing up. Um, I feel like very fortunate to have grown up at a time when the Prodigy and the Chemical Brothers and you know people like that were dude. like the big acts. Oh, and like dude. that shit is still amazing, you know. So fucking good. Um, I'll listen to Fat of the Land exactly like any time at all. I was super bummed. Yeah, exactly. We played, we played a fest in the UK. And the prodigy was playing, and I was like, "Dude, I'm so fucking ready for this!" Like, I've never, I never saw him when I was a kid. And the main thing that I remember was like this, the MTV like awards performance that they did, where it was like a mm -hmm. sea of people and the most intense strobes ever. And like for me, they have that formula that like I just grew up loving, where it's just like punishing bass and like and and we'll build around that. And dude. I saw them and I was so fucking excited and I, I could look over while they were playing. I was like looking over at George and talking normal level and I could hear him and, and it was so quiet Oh shit! and I was like, dude, this is, this is actually ruining it for me. Like I wanted to be like punished by, by bass. Uh, yeah. And so I was like, fuck man. And I was super sad about it. And then I think we left early cause it was such a bummer, dude, but I was so excited oh, to shit. see them. Yeah. It was a festival and shit. And like the DB limit thing is, is such a real thing. Uh, so I don't yeah. know, man, but I was like really sad. I saw them. It. I saw them live when I was like, they played in Ireland when I was maybe 16, 17 and it was incredible. I, I, I fortunately had a better experience and it was 
what's so cool about them too is like the concerts are metalheads and like uh i don't in ireland like it, in ireland you know people use this like dirty world called scobes like for people who are you know people who wear tracksuits and are into uh, okay. sports or whatever yeah, yeah, you know yeah, okay. whatever kind of word you have in america for but it's like it was people who you would never see under one roof together all together just totally. losing their shit to this yeah, band yeah, and that's totally. like so anyway i was like like i said i feel really fortunate to have you know been growing up at a time when that stuff was on the radio and not fucking martin garrix and bieber but um that kind of i anyway i got back into that music when dubstep started coming out and you know this was before dubstep like turned into bro step and skrillex and all that um where it was like this really cool underground london based thing um and I started like making dubstep tracks and then uh like I remember doing what you were doing what I just said you were doing on the tour with Def Evan here la- uh, earlier this year I was doing that when Alter Plagues did our first US tour I had my like laptop and I was out in the van while everyone was inside drinking and I was like working on this wife shit yeah um yeah and it kind of grew over time. It was weird. I, I think I got like making, I thought I wanted to make club music and then I started doing it and I realized it's just not, I'm not inclined to make club music. I kind of need uh, something that's like a little more, I don't know, just got, got something more that you'd want to listen to it, you know, in, in kind of a home environment or just, you know, that feels a bit more personal. Yeah. And dude. then I kind of just, you know, changed over the years and got to where it is now really. Yeah. Yeah. I do stoic. Stoic, is that the first thing that Wife put out, the EP? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Dude, that's yeah. so crazy to me, man. Because I remember being in the Bay and, like, I was super into that EP. And it, like, it was, I don't know, like, I would just walk. I mean, I had this routine in the Bay Area where I would go. It was when I lived in Oakland. And I would go to this certain coffee spot and then I would walk to the cemetery. Because it's, like, ancient cemetery, or not ancient, but, like, really old cemetery in Oakland. And stoic, dude, was like a part of this routine. And it was like, it would be cloudy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It would be cloudy as fuck. And I would just be walking like with coffee. And dude, I was so into that EP. I was wondering. Thanks, man. Like on uh, on bodies or, or, you know, there's, those are strings, right? Were you playing strings for any of that stuff? Or was it just all samples that you Uh, Yeah, so it's like the the main thing in bodies is my acoustic guitar recorded through the mic on my laptop. See, that's what I thought. Like inbuilt mic. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I just like chopped it up and made it. That song was like a weird accident. It was really like, it was sat there on my hard drive for so long. And then I kind of came back to it and finished it. It used to take me a re it still does take me a really, really long time to finish wife tracks, but Back then, especially because I kind of had no idea what way I was going with it. Totally. Um, and I was—I think for a while I was fighting my inclination to go. I mean, I've always considered everything I do to be sonically in the same range, even if one thing's more electronic than the other. But I used to be trying to not let it go on the same vibe as Alter Plagues, and I wanted to, like—I was like forcing myself to make something social. And then when I like was—I came to terms with like that's—I'm just not the person who makes social party music you know totally. and then that's when i kind of started like letting wife go where it's gone to them i feel the same way man i went through the same thing because i was just like i want to write 
Italian disco. I want to write dance yeah, yeah. music, dude. Like I want, I want, and I've said this like so much, like a lot of that stuff that I was working on when you were in Berlin was like poppy with like, like plucky, like funky bass lines and shit. And then, yeah, yeah I just kind of came full circle. Like, dude, I have fun writing like three of these songs, but overall, like, it's just not what I'm, I don't know. I don't want to say like not what yeah, I'm good exactly. at doing. It's just not what I feel like doing all the time, you know? It's weird. No, exactly. And I feel like there there comes a point where you have to kind of um pin your flag to the wall to some degree and you know, know kind of where you you know, where you belong in this in this kind of uh, creative world and stuff. And that's not to say nobody should feel like they have to do any one thing, but um yeah, there's definitely times when it's like Leave the experts to the Italo disco or whatever it is. Yeah, do what you yeah. invest or whatever. Totally, totally. And for me, it was like, <laughs> man, am I going to like, like, even if I wrote five song EP of like super poppy dance stuff, like, I feel like yeah. it would be years before I was in the mood to do that again. You know, just like feeling like positive enough to write some like fucking high energy dance music, you know, it's so funny. Exactly. So what was your what was your like relationship to like all the gear stuff? So like I'm sure it was a big process, right? Like it was it was changing and all this stuff. But like in the beginning, was it a little intimidating at all to like start working with these like synths or, or drum machines or what were you working with? Um so initially I used to use Fruity Loops and then from there I eventually I got pretty good with Fruity Loops, but I I don't know something about it I don't like um and then I downloaded an Ableton crack and then kind of haven't looked back from Ableton since totally. um it's kind of weird I it's I, I had a I had studio experience and I already had like you know recording all these demos in my teens even though it's not like you know MIDI programming and the depth you do with Ableton it still was you know basic recording and mixing so I already had a little of that in me oh yeah um I feel like everything I've done, I've always just approached it very intuitively. I've never had any formal, like, I haven't had a single uh, music lesson in my life. I've got no formal training in any way. Uh, and then with Ableton, you just go on, you know, University of YouTube, and you can kind of make yeah. progress pretty quickly. Dude, totally. <laughs> it's just like lots of trial and error, too, you know. I think, you know, a lot of, I've got friends who, like, have, you know, on whims decided they wanted to start producing and, you know, did, like, the 500 euro crash course in Ableton and then they do it. But what I always say to them is like to really get fluid with it, you just got to put in the time and you know, only, only you can make yourself put in hundreds and hundreds of hours working on this shit. Yeah. Yeah. And like I have definitely spent like thousands of hours, you know, working on that stuff. And also it kind of puts when you're not, when you're not sat down in this like structured environment of how to learn something, it also puts it puts all your music that you record through like a James Kelly filter or like, and for me, it's for like sure, everything, yeah. you know, it kind of just gives your signature to it. Right. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I, I was always with Alter Flags anyway. I was always working more towards, I don't know. I feel like the first time we got a recording advance and we went to the studio and we recorded it and paid someone to mix it and everything afterwards, I was just like, holy fuck, I've never seen that much, I've never had that much money in my life and I've also never had that much money disappear so quickly. Oh, I was like, why am I not getting, why, it's like, my band is getting paid to make a record but I'm not seeing, 
a penny of it. And then as it went on and on, the first Alter Plagues album was fully done in the studio. Uh, the second one was... I, I kind of half mixed it and uh, then a guy like did the full, like a mix down with me after so it was a little more half and half and then the final one I like recorded mixed we just got someone to master it I was like I pretty much did everything we tracked it in a studio but I engineered it and everything and it was like I always wanted to be able to have full control to be able to just so you can realise your ideas when you have full control of everything when you understand how you want the drums to be mic'd uh, you know, how you want the bass to be whatever, you're in more control and ultimately then you're more happy with the record you envisioned anyway. And it's nice to get paid every once in a while and like see some of the money you're supposed to get for your record. Totally, man. Yeah, that's super tight. Dude, mixing for me was a huge thing when I started, I don't know, just like kind of learning the basics. Same thing, like just going on YouTube and just figuring out all the shit and like making room in the tracks with like panning and all this stuff. And it... And it started, yeah, yeah. it started making me look at, like, every single sound on, like, an XYZ axis, you know? So, like, like yeah. the time that you're putting it at and then the depth of it and, like, where you, where it's panned. It was, like, it was a big thing for me. And it made everything, like, a lot more fun. And I was like, wow, I'm making tracks that sound like real tracks, you know? Like, that was crazy. Yeah, for me. sure. I have a funny relationship with mixing too because it's kind of like just because you can make something sound perfect too doesn't mean you should. And there's like, on the one hand, it's great to be, you know, able to understand sound and its place and how to mix and stuff. But on the other, it's kind of like there is a charm. There's a certain charm in, you know, uh, stuff that sounds a little shitty and that, you know, happy accident. I'm always conscious of not like over mixing stuff as well and not you know you know taking kind of the life out of it and overproducing it yeah totally yeah that's cool so like where is wife a big reason that you've gone where you're at because you're in berlin now right was that a big yeah i'm in berlin now yeah was that a big reason like like the whole i guess the scene there but also like was it just more conducive for that it's it was more um i i like definitely didn't move here for like a scene as such but it was more a case of i was in london for five years mm -hmm. and it's i was just like i've been grinding at music since i was like 18 years old and i never intended to do it as a full-time thing um and i went to university in hopes to be an environmental scientist and all that but when i was in london it got to the point where it was like alter plagues was doing well and then wife got signed to triangle to do a record and i was like everything's lining up and like I should be doing you know okay um and I'm not because I'm living in like one of the most expensive cities in the world and I was still you know and get like I was so happy I was finally getting paid to play shows and you know I managed to do something like instead of working 50 hours in a cafe I managed to get it down to 20 and even that was already like whoa amazing but um got to the point where I was just sick of you know, I could only afford to ever be in a house share. I was always working on a tiny table in my tiny bedroom. And I was just like, I can't fucking do this anymore. I want to, like, uh, change it up a bit. So Berlin made sense. I got I was offered, um, uh, I was offered a place in a friend's apartment and everything. And it just kind of, it all lined up right. And, you know, I got a studio here. Um, and, you know, it's an easy place to live. I kind of like the vibe. Yeah. So, it's just been conducive to everything, really. Yeah, to dude, I 
Man, I mean, I just moved to New York, you know, so I like, I will like. You're in the reverse of me. It's like moving. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I like moving back to London. I was looking around and I was like, man, same sort of thing. I was like, dude, why do I live here? You know, I know there's like a lot of opportunity for me here and like, I, and I really enjoy the city. It helps creativity and all mm-hmm. that. But I was like looking at like places on Craigslist, like, man, I, you know, I really want to live by myself. Like, that's all I want in, in life. Yeah. And like, dude not a it's not happening b i like for some weird reason i switched over and started looking at like philly craigslist and like seeing two bedroom apartments for like you know 800 bucks a month and i was just like oh my god what am i doing here dude what am i doing here it's weird man because they're also i feel there's a part where you know we're humans are just like wired and inclined to be around each other and to want to like be where everything's going on and coming back to this like preparing to turn 30 stuff it's kind of like i've been around everyone and i've been around all the social stuff i'm kind of like i'm ready to (laughs) isolate myself and you know try that one for a while same same well what's funny is here i did find this like weird isolation in new york like there's so many people here and i have like a lot of friends here but I like as far as human contact for me, like this is pretty much the extent of it. Like I, I, I interview friends yeah, yeah. on on for the podcast. And I don't know, it's like this sea of people and everybody it's so congested that nobody really has time to like talk to each other and fucking hang out with each other. I really like it. Yeah, I was like, yeah. man, this is cool. And it's like this beautiful really pretty like colorful city so i was like oh this is great yeah so in that way i'm like gaining from it but monetarily i'm like losing so hard from it you know but yeah i guess there just comes a point i mean for me berlin's like a stopgap i can't see myself being here for a particularly long time but it's you know it's a nice way to like have my cake and eat it have a studio and actually get some savings for a change you know yeah 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 is there still thoughts of you moving uh, to the U.S.? I know you're talking about moving to L.A. for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, my my girlfriend, um, she lived in New York for like 12 years and she's here with me now and she's ready to, she like just wants to get out of, you know, Germans don't, Germans aren't great at making you feel welcome, I'll tell you that, you know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't speak, I don't speak any German. It's like just the other day I was like dealing with uh, a, a Wi-Fi company and it was like, the most painful shit I had to deal with. They don't, they definitely, uh, we don't enjoy the customer service you, you get to enjoy in America. But, um, I think we will eventually. It's just a case of like, like I said, man, I'm just trying to, you know, um, sit tight and work hard and, you know, enjoy just living in a place where I can quite easily keep my head above water. And then we'll kind of figure it out from there. I've already, like I spend, I've, I'm back in LA for a little while in new year. Um, you know, you'll be picking up on, you know, uh, fly-in shows and stuff really last minute in Europe, and I'll find the U.S. is the same for that kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So back to like back to wife. Like I, I was wondering because I was again I was a big fan of Stoic and and Standard Nature is like, dude, it's it's a it's really fucking good, dog. Um. But then B, Thanks. it's like it has it's like taking these steps in this new like it's like a it's it's just a lot different than stoic right so what was the mm-hmm. what was the like what how did wife evolve from from one to the other i know you know there was one in between but like those two are like the outside you know you know what i'm saying like the start, the beginning I, I, and the actually, end. I really i really like that you're i really like that you're linking those two because that's kind of how it is in my mind too and 
to be like really honest about it, I'm mentally disregarding the album I did as wife, like for the rest of my life. I've like mentally written it off. I don't want to like ever hear it again or think about it again. Yeah. Um, and just, just quite honestly, that was, uh, you know, that was like a failed, it wasn't an experiment. It was, it was just trying to take a shot. It was me way out of my comfort zone in a scene that was very different to what I was used to. And the stakes were higher than I was used to. And I made a lot of decisions for the wrong reasons. And, you know, sometimes that happens. And, you know, some people put on a brave face and try to bury the story. And I'd just rather, like, be upfront about it than bullshit people and try to, like, you know, say I'm proud of something that I'm not proud of. Yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, so I got that bad album out of my system. Well, it's um, honestly, man, it's, and it's, I feel, I feel, it's, well, it's cool that you like are comfortable with that. And like, you understand, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's good. I think it's good because dude, we've all, we all do that, you know, as like artists, there's like, for sure. I mean, as an outsider, I don't like, I don't think it was bad, but like as from coming from the person that created it, you know, it's just, like, it's more a case of, it's a case of like. I had, I feel like in hindsight, most people do like a demo or an EP or two before the album, just because in, in doing the exercise of an EP or a demo, it's like you're focusing in on what you really want to, what you, what you want to be and what you want to sound like. And I feel like I hadn't quite honed in yet on what I wanted it to be. And unfortunately I began making an album not knowing yet what I quite wanted to do with it. Totally. Um, and then after after that album came out, and I was just like, it was a really difficult process. Um, you know, I've never dealt with an A and R before who like has a hand in, you know, you know your creative process. That was all new to me as well, um, and you know, I, I kind of didn't handle that too well. Anyway, that record came out and was done, and then I felt creatively fucked for about two years really? it, i just like couldn't write anything i just couldn't write anything i felt good about i i like felt really deflated i felt like i had no confidence in myself or what i was doing um so it took quite a while to pick myself up from that and all i've been doing in the meantime was um still writing away slowly but i wasn't confident enough to be like writing as frequently as i used to because i just didn't feel as passionate about it yeah. Um, but I did start working a lot doing like commercial sound design and like, you know, music and soundtracks for film and adverts and TV and stuff. Dude, that's like the dream. So that dude. was good. It was cool. It's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely sometimes very, very cool. And sometimes it's yeah. like you're soundtracking, you know, a condom advert or something. Yeah. yeah. It's like <laughs> it can vary, but it's definitely like, I'm grateful to be able to have done it. And, you know, it paid my rent and it also helped me develop my production skills totally. which kind of brings me to why you know the ep the new ep standard nature definitely sounds it's a little more high def than what i've done before because again it's just like like i said with alter plagues it's kind of like taking more and more control of you know your mixing and your production to to then you're not outsourcing to anyone and in the end then you end up with something that's like fully your vision and you don't feel like you've compromised with anyone. So the EP is like the standard nature is like 100% me. Whereas, you know, the album had like a couple of different producers on it and stuff. Um, and yeah, I, f I feel like, I feel like it's really just continuing from where stoic was. It's definitely like stoic, more high def or something, but to me, it's totally. like following on from that. 
And it's like, I've always felt like my voice and my vocals, they're just like an instrument or a tool that I use. Whereas, you know, with the album, I was kind of encouraged to make them up front and it be like a singer-songwriter record, which isn't anything I ever thought I wanted to do and I tried it and it's definitely something I don't want to do. Yeah. Um, so as with this, I became comfortable with my voice again and using it as an instrument or a musical tool rather than it being this like, the voice is a weird thing because it's like we have we have this fucking relationship with it where we're assumed there has to be front row center. Yeah. Uh, there has to be a verse and a chorus and all this stuff. And I just like, you know, I, I, I got to the point where I was just like, I, I'm not, again, I'm not that guy. I just can't ever write those kind of songs. So I'm just going to use my voice the way that feels comfortable. Yeah. That would do. And that was a big thing for me. And, and I was going to ask you about singing, like what your relationship to singing is. Because, yeah, on Stoic... It's it's really it's again it's not up front. It's like blended really well, and and especially on standard nature, it almost feels like your voice is like it's like sampled with the idea of being used as an instrument, like mixed in there. You know, that's that's how I felt yeah, exactly. when I was listening to it, and I thought it was so sick. Which like do you what is like singing? Like did you did you ever? like take a lesson like how did you get comfortable with singing because that's dude singing is fucking hard man i think i mean i personally yeah, think it's, it's just, hard as fuck it definitely is i feel like i've I, again self-taught and uh just kind of figured it out as i went along and i only ever really started singing there was occasional melodic stuff in alter plagues but it was pretty like heavy metal grunty singing not yeah. like actually <laughs> trying to sound nice singing yeah. um but I think with Wife, it began because I used to have ideas in my head for like a little vocal a cappella I'd want on loop or something. And it probably didn't exist because it was just this made up thing in my head. So I was like, I'll sing it and then just fuck it up a bit. So it sounds like it's something else anyway. Totally. And that's just kind of how it began. Um, and that's kind of what I've gotten more back to doing as opposed to it being, like I said, just because there's a voice, stick it up front, you know. And occasionally I, I, there's a song, it's weird, I, it's like, I can write song. I know what my voice's strengths and weaknesses are, um, and it's e when you know those, it's easier to write a song to, that plays to your strengths, you know, whereas I've had, you know, I've had times where other people ask me to try to do vocals on their tracks, and I can't, totally. because I fail miserably, because, you know, they're not in my range, they're not like a style I'm comfortable with, I just have this one thing I can do, and I'm like able to shape my voice around what I do at wife whereas I just can't I don't think I can like adapt it to other stuff yeah totally totally so dude one thing that I'm super interested in okay and you've done both sides of it because for me dude touring by myself I've talked to this I've talked about this to other people before touring by myself literally seems like the most wonderful thing on the planet because I, I do love touring and, and, and I love, I love field agent because it's all, again, like you're saying, it's all me. It feels good. I feel mm -hmm. like fulfilled and, and, and I have total yeah. creative control, but yeah, you've done both. You toured with Alter Plagues and you've done yourself. So what, what for you, what are some of like the pros and, and like cons or whatever of touring by yourself? It's on your own is definitely like more comfortable to some degree. Totally. Um, I mean, with Alter Plagues, it wasn't until like right before we called it a day that we were actually finally getting hotels and, you know, could afford to like hire a splitter with a driver. We used yeah. to be like, I was the driver, we were crashing on floors. So that was pretty torturous. 
the pro I'm definitely like a private person and I, I definitely start going crazy when I'm sharing yeah. a confined space with people day after day. Um, I've never actually had, I've never been like lonely touring as wife, to be honest. It's, and it's always cool. I'm like social. When I turn up at a show, I'll talk to like whoever's putting on the show or whoever else is playing. And, you know, what's cool about shows often in this, in the like electronic music circuit is, you know, you get to know people pretty quickly and everyone's really nice. So, you know, you're not even alone in that sense anyway. So yeah, I'm pretty comfortable doing it. I'm about to do the, I'm about to do a 30 date tour though, which is the longest wow. tour I'll have done alone. So <laughs> we'll see how that is. Are you driving yourself or are you hopping in with somebody or how's that going? No, I'm, I'm touring with um, Oathbreaker. So oh, cool. I'm, I'm, uh, I'll be in their van. So at least I'm not like alone alone. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool though. But you, so no, for sure. I, 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 Oh no, go ahead. I'll have that thing of though you find it like when you're around people you don't know for that long, it can definitely be I guess I just have that apprehension. I'm sure they're all lovely and I'm I will get on great, but you know, you always have that apprehension like I hope they're fucking nice because otherwise it's gonna be like oh, a long okay. thirty days. I don't really know them personally, but Carrie and George are like super cool with them. They're all like like good buds or something, you know. So I, I, I think yeah, they yeah. are pretty cool. Um, that's fucking sick, dude. Where's the tour? Is it a, is it a Euro tour? It's all European. Yeah. So there's no UK and Ireland, but it's like all over, like pretty thorough, uh, run through Europe. Yeah. Yeah. So what's up with, uh, like what's up for the future with wife? Like, are you, are you, I mean, I know standard nature just came out. So where, where do you see like everything going? Do you want to tour more? Like what, what's the idea? Yeah, I mean, I'm touring. I'm definitely going to do this tour and then there's some more stuff in the new year. Um, the show is kind of, I'm like really enjoying the show now. And it's like, you know, one of the really nice things about, you know, moving on from a record you're not happy with is you can finally take songs you're not happy with out of the set list because you have things to replace them with. Oh, dude, yeah. Um, totally. And it's, it's been a new lease of life, you know, being able to like perform this new material that I'm like much more happy with. And, you know, I vibe better with the shows as a result of that. Um, so I'm excited to do that. It'll be, it's going to be cool to like, it's weird to be going back, you know, going on tour with a black metal band and coming back to where I came from with a, a different sound and stuff. Um, yeah, totally. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure the crowds will be into it. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm ready for, for better, for worse, but you know, I'm touring with a Death Wish band. It's not like I'm touring with um, yeah. the Norwegian black metal elite or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> it's a different type of crowd. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. And then I'm just going to, I'm I'm planning to just really dive in and work on an album um, and get that out next year. I, I don't want to like, I already spent three years almost between records and, you know, I took my time and, you know, recalibrated and focused on what I want to do. And now I think I've got, um, a clearer idea of what way I want things to go. Sick. Yeah, that's cool. So yeah, that's it for now. <laughs> Damn, that's awesome. Um, do you ever think about like, I mean, this this is just plain curiosity, but do you ever think like, yeah, man, I like I, I feel like I, I have these like riffs in me that, and I want. Do you ever think about going back to like writing some straight up band shit? I do. I got a bit like. To be brutally honest about it, I think just metal is like so redundant and uninspiring at the oh, moment. Dude. I can't like I it sometimes depresses me how nobody is um 
pushing it anywhere fucking like that crazy and new. Like it's very, I like don't hear any records that are like, there's a huge death metal revival and everybody sounds like Marvin Angel. It's like, oh yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like the shit people are getting excited about is never fucking that new. And I don't know. I just, so I feel like that's why I was at a point where I was ready to, um, close the door on metal or maybe I'm cynical and maybe I just have nothing to contribute to it anymore. But I would rather take what I like about metal and channel that through wife and hopefully try to make something fresh with that or something that's fresh to me and exciting to me. Then believe me, it would be tempting to just jam out in a room uh, yeah. and play riffs with some loud drums. But I don't know. I just don't find it's worth my time at the moment. Yeah. 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 That's tight. That's, that's a great, I don't know. I, I appreciate that. That's really cool. Don't get me wrong either. There's times, there's times when I haven't seen a, a live band for a while because, you know, in Berlin, it's so much electronic music. And then, you know, go to a metal show and get your face melted off. And it's like, fuck, I, I do miss that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. Like, a lot of it, dude, I mean, there's a lot of... Some of these new death metal bands I do really like. But from my end of it and just being at these metal shows incessantly for years and years and years and years i think that was what really pushed me in like the field agent direction you know and i was and at yeah, the time sure. when i first started feeling like oh man this stuff is starting to like get to me i'm like around heavy fucking guitars you know for fucking eight months out of the year you know yeah and i was listening to you i was listening to stoic i was listening to bobby i was listening to hacks and cloak a lot and I was like, man, yeah, yeah. dude, like, I feel like, pu like pushing these frequencies like through a really gnarly PA is sounds like exactly. the funnest thing to me in the world. I don't know. No, for sure. And it's like what, what's really exciting about electronic is like I'm like this YVP is super heavy. It's like yeah, you can make it fucking heavier than any band. You have the tools to totally. do it. Um, and, you know, what, what I take as a challenge, you know, like I said, if I see, if I sometimes feel like perform, performance-wise, electronic music is slightly lacking that kind of, live metal is definitely more thrilling than um, live electronic music sometimes. But I just take that as a challenge to, you know, up my game and find a way to make an, an electronic show as, like, fucking crazy as maybe a metal band can be. Yeah, sick. Yeah, that's, that's tight. And, uh, yeah, you're right. But also for me, it's like, I've seen fucking fools on stage thrashing around and shit and like like going crazy. I mean, you too, man. Like there's probably a point where you're like, yeah, okay. This is Yeah, you know, yeah. the performance thing is like cool. I've seen and and dude, for me, when the first time I saw Marsh Stepper, you know, and they were like dancing crazily and throwing shit everywhere and like to this like super rhythmic shit i was like oh dude this is refreshing as fuck you know it's like it's yeah like yeah for sure performance for me that's not just some fool's like headbanging and fucking blah blah blah. you know and and people i mean I, I think like one of the reasons i think one of the reasons like like death grips definitely deserve all the praise they get because i think they are like the punk like that is what punk music is now and i love that you know they can make electronic music but still be like raw and metal and punk as fuck i think that's like 
it's a cool template that they're, they're kind of doing what the prodigy did it's a bit more it's a bit more underground than that but you know it's a similar thing it's like totally they're bringing these worlds together and like showing you they can work together you know yeah totally i just saw uh i went to the youth code show out here and they played with clipping have you have you listened to clipping mm-hmm. i thought it was yeah, really yeah. cool man like like the yeah. rapping was cool but the beats were like fucking dude some of them were like super intense and and i heard before I ever listened to that band, I, I I heard them talk about only using like field recordings for everything, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's like super. I mean, in a in like what I do for a lot of like this rhythmic like noise stuff, that's not so crazy. But for for me to hear like an actual like beat put together, like rap beat, like I was like, damn, this is sick. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, yeah, man, fucking, uh, that's, that's all I got. I'm super stoked you were on here. I really appreciate it, dude. Yeah. Good to talk. When am I going to vent, you? let off some, uh, let off some steam. That's great, man. When am I uh, going to see you? Do I know? Hopefully, Zuma. hopefully I'll see you in LA. I'm out there in January. Oh yeah. Maybe February. So, yeah. We're, uh, so if you're in town, I might see you. Yeah. I think we're playing in January. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah, sure. I yeah. Sp- I yeah. Kerry, Kerry texted me the other day, so he mentioned something and I won't say anything and jinx it, but oh. fingers crossed, who knows, we might play together again. We'll yeah, see. that would be <laughs> fucking awesome, dude. Dude, I remember I, that show. Weird. It was in London when we played together, right? Oh, man, that was sick. Man, I was so disappointed because it was like, I was so excited to play with you and then I was having, um, when I first when I first began playing his wife, I was always having these laptop problems and it took, a, it took a little while to like iron them out and figure out what was going on, but back then I was having this like, hadn't realized I had this serious problem with my laptop that made bass knock out, uh, knock out the, the sound card, basically. Yeah, you so told So that me show was like that. a tiny, yeah, and it was in a tiny stage with a super packed room, and it was like every time it's like supposed to hit, it drops out instead. So it was like, ah, oh, yeah. quite a night. <laughs> I remember but as always, there's always nights like that, man. Yeah. There's always yeah, a night yeah. like that, though. All right, dude, James Kelly, thank you so much for coming on here, man. I'm very, very stoked. I will be seeing you soon. My pleasure, man. Good chatting. Yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. Talk to you soon, man. I'll talk to you soon. Later, dude. Hell yeah, that was James Kelly. Fucking, like I said, very cool dude. Uh, Very amazing musician and a good friend. So, yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, Today's producers, a couple familiar names. We got Javon Kellogg, who I believe was the first person to ever donate, which is cool as fuck. Detroit, Michigan. What's up, Javon? And then we got Muhammad Abbasi, my boy, from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, As soon as we get these t-shirts in, I'm sending that motherfucker a t-shirt for free because he's amazing, right? Um, I do want to remind you that all the donations... For that come off of this episode are going to go to the Ghost Ship Relief Fund in Oakland. is a very tragic thing that happened, and we would love to help out in any way that we can. And this is the way I can help out. So I would really appreciate it, and you will still be a producer, obviously. You'll still be in the show notes, and you'll still be on the show. So again, uh, donations from this show go to the Ghost Ship Relief Fund in Oakland. Uh, help out the families. And yeah. I love you guys. Please stay safe. Uh, And you know what? DIY. Keep fucking going. Keep doing your shit. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So today I'm going to leave you with off of the new. It's the new EP from Wife. Uh, It's called Standard Nature. It's a fucking amazing EP front to back. He just keeps getting better and better. And off of Standard Nature, this is Love Lock. 
All right. Love you. Please stay safe. Peace. Oh, hi.